Good morning. You guys got some energy going on today. I mean, man, worship in heaven has got to be phenomenal. Again, I want to remind you, as far as I know, there's no preaching in heaven. You guys have endured enough on this side. Heaven's going to be a lot of worship, a lot of worship. I don't know if you get goosebumps on top of goosebumps, but I, I just think heaven's going to be unbelievable to be in the presence of God. And, and it's not going to be like where you're just looking at backs of heads. As I understand it, it's going to be in a complete circle around the throne. So everywhere you look, you're going to see people who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb worshiping God. And there'll be some people in heaven, you're going to be surprised who's there. And uh, there'll be a few people surprised you're there, all right? I know they'll be surprised I'm there, all right? But that's the grace of God, right? That's the grace of God. We're going to continue our study in the names of God, and each name just reveals one aspect of who God is. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, I'm not even going to give you the passage, I'm just going to ask you to turn to what you believe is the most familiar passage in the Old Testament, all right? So you can just take a minute and just kind of, and it may, not, it may be your favorite place, and that's okay. If you're in Leviticus, you're probably all alone, all right? There may, not be, there may not be anybody else in Leviticus, all right? So this morning, over the past 18 months, I've had an unusual number of funerals, which I've shared, of people who weren't connected to church. And I always like to talk to the family and the, and the close friends and that, and I always ask, is there any particular passage you would like for me to use? And without a doubt, not even close second, the number one passage people will always give me is, is there any way you could put in Psalms 23? So Psalms 23, I don't know what it is about Psalms 23, but whether you go to church or don't go to church, somehow Psalms 23 is close to people's hearts, all right? And so this morning we're going to be looking in Psalms 23. Now, the Hebrew word is raw. I think there's a way you can roll that. It's, it's pronounced like R-A-W-A-W, so I can't really say it. Some say it's spelled R-O-I or R-O-H-I. There's different spellings, but it's the Lord is my shepherd. Lord is my shepherd, a very familiar phrase to all of us. Now, that Hebrew word is used about 173 times in the Old Testament. Now, of that, 75 times it's translated feed. Matter of fact, one instance here in 1 Samuel 17, when David said that he went out to feed his father's flock, it's that word for shepherd. So part of shepherding is feeding the flock. How many of you like to get fed? You know, one thing we have in common with sheep, we like to eat, all right? And so part of the ministry of a shepherd is feeding them. You remember when Jesus said to Peter, if you love me, what? Feed my sheep. And so part of shepherding is feeding the sheep. But that same word is also translated shepherd 63 times. And to one of those I put here, 2 Samuel chapter 5, where David is told to shepherd the people of Israel. So the word shepherd is not only used of a literal shepherd, but it's also used of the leaders of Israel. They were considered shepherds to the people of Israel. They were to feed and take care of them. But it's also that word carries over in the New Testament, and it's used of the pastors and the elders of the church here in Acts 20 when Paul told them to shepherd 
the flock that God had given them. So the pastors, in a sense, were told to shepherd as well, and part of that responsibility is feeding the sheep, all right? I like this verse in Jeremiah when I think about shepherds. Would you read it with me? I will give you shepherds who are loyal to me, and they will shepherd you with knowledge and skill. Now, many translations have knowledge and understanding. I just like this particular translation. There's two key things about being a shepherd. You got to have knowledge, but you also have to have the skill or understanding how to implement that knowledge. Because taking care of sheep, how many of you know taking care of sheep is not easy? It really is. Now, I grew up in St. Louis. I know nothing about being a shepherd to sheep. But studying it really is eye-opening to know how much work it is to be a shepherd. It takes an incredible amount of knowledge, but it also takes a skill set to implement that knowledge to protect the sheep. All right? So let's look in Psalms 23. And by the way, David writes this, as you all know, David writes Psalms 23. And David's first job was a shepherd. How many of you remember what your first job was? Anybody remember what your first job? Some of us who are older have to think back. My first job was a curb boy at Snake and Shake. I was a curb boy. I had to deal with a lot of weird people. That's how God prepared me to pastor. All right? And so anyway, I was, I was, a, I was a curb boy. Got to run out. And really it was fun interacting with people and just having a lot of fun. And, and that's what prepared me for ministry. So I love to interact with people and to associate. But if you think about Psalms 23, David's first job was a shepherd. You remember when Samuel came to anoint a king, God told him to go to Jesse's house. He saw all of David's brothers and God said, it's none of those. And as you remember, Samuel asked Jesse, do you have any other sons? He said, well, I've got one more little son. He's out, what, taking care of the sheep. Who said sheep? There's <laughs> always one in the crowd. All right. That's all, it's all good. But he was out taking care of the sheep. So his first job as a young man was being a shepherd. Now, that may not impress you much until you realize how much trouble sheep are. And, and the environment in which David lived, all right? So he's writing Psalms 23 from the viewpoint of a sheep. Have you ever thought about that? He could have wrote from the viewpoint of a shepherd because he was a shepherd. But he said, he writes Psalms 23 from the viewpoint of a sheep. And so he starts off and very familiar, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though God has a lot of sheep, David knew personally that he was his shepherd. It's one thing to say that God loves all of his people, but it's another thing to say he is your shepherd. And I love how one Sunday school class, the teacher tried to get him to memorize Psalms 23. And so she was having him quote it, and the first little boy got up, and instead of saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, he's all I want. He got it wrong, but yet... I think he got it right. Because when you discover the Lord is your shepherd, he really is all you want. You know, everything we're looking for in life, and we're all looking for purpose, we're looking for peace, we're looking for happiness. I'm going to tell you, when you discover the first verse of Psalm 23, when that becomes a reality that the Lord is your shepherd, he's all you want. You will not want. 
And so David writes from the viewpoint of a sheep. That's kind of interesting, all right? But he was around sheep. He understood. All right, he goes on to say, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now, this is my picture, my image of that. Now, you guys have had an image in your mind. My image of lying down in green pastures is fields with lots and lots of green grass. Now, can I tell you, that's not shepherding. I could shepherd if it was just leading them into a field with lots of green grass and let them eat. And sometimes, how many of you have ever had that image in your mind that, man, he's leading them into this field where they can just have a smorgasbord of grass? That's not, that's not, that's not Israel, by the way. That's not real life. How many of you know God doesn't let you stay in one place very long? It's a process. And one of the things you find about shepherding and sheep is it's a daily process trying to find food for the sheep. So this is not a biblical picture of what Psalms 23 verse 2 is. These are actually pictures of Israel. Anybody see a difference in these pictures in the first picture? You know, you go over to Israel. Now, there are parts up in the north that get a little bit of rain. There is some farmland in Israel. But let me go ahead and tell you, the farmers do not let the sheep come and graze in their crop. And every farmer would understand that. Can I tell you, where do they graze? They graze here in the Judean wilderness. And it literally looks like hills and hills of rocks. And when you're in Israel and you're watching these flocks go across these hills... I'm saying to myself, my gosh, they're eating rocks. There's no grass. But the shepherds had to have knowledge and skill to get them every day. They had to maneuver. Every day he had to work to feed the sheep. Every day. Kind of reminds me of what Jesus said when he taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Can I tell you, I wish God would just take us to a field and just let us gorge out on on spiritual things. But it's more like maneuvering over mountains and God every day maneuvering to feed us every single day. So these are actual pictures of Israel. This is actually a real live shepherd boy. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now this next slide, you got to look close. I had too much time on my hands. This next slide is surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So watch, you got to watch this. So surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. One person got it. Thank you so much. I know I had too much time. But I mean, goodness and mercy. Everywhere you go, goodness and mercy is following you all the days of your life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's how we're going to be in heaven. Heaven's going to be a big sheep shed in the sky. But can I tell you, getting a sheep there is some headaches. Now, I know you're different. I know we're different. We're easy. We're easy sheep. But shepherding sheep was a full-time job. Now, let's talk about sheep for just a minute, and that will make you appreciate shepherding, all right? So, first of all, sheep are dumb. 
All right? I wish God would have picked a really smart animal to say we were like that. He could have picked a lot of animals that were better than sheep. Now, they were, they're not dumb in everything, but they, they do get confused, all right? They do get confused. But the word dumb just means lacking intelligence or good judgment, stupid, dull with it. So he used sheep. By the way, it's almost, somebody said it's about 200 times in the Bible God refers to us as sheep. So it's, it's a term used from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, this idea of sheep. So we haven't gotten any better in the New Testament than they were in the Old Testament, in case you're wondering, all right? And so, again, how many of you have ever been to a circus or ever saw someone who trained animals? You know, it dawned on me this week, first time ever this week, 64 years old, it dawned on me I've never seen a sheep show. <laughs> they can train almost every animal you can imagine. I even saw this week where they trained rats. That hurts. But I've never seen anyone have a sheep show. Why don't they have sheep in there? Because they're dumb. They're not easy to train. I mean, the more you study sheep, the more humbling it is. And the more you appreciate the Lord is our shepherd, that he's willing to put up with a lot of headaches. So sheep aren't that smart. So remember what Paul said as he's writing to young Timothy. He says, I was formerly a blasphemer of our Lord, a persecutor of his church, and a shameful and outrageous and violent aggressor toward believers. Yet I was shown mercy. Why? Because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. You know, the truth is, apart from God, we're all acting like lost sheep. Somebody says to me, why, do, why does the world act like the world's acting? Because they're sheep without a shepherd. And they're going to do dumb things because that's what sheep do. So have compassion and understand that without a shepherd, the sheep are forever confused and lost. Not only are they dumb, but they're directionless. Number two, how many of you are direction challenged? Anybody here? I shouldn't tell this on my in-laws, and I see my mother-in-law elbowing my father-in-law. But we were on a trip with them, and I shouldn't say this. I apologize in advance. But we were on a trip with them, and they were reading the map. We were traveling. I don't forget where it was. And they said, there's going to be a highway coming up, and we can take that highway right up to where we need to go. I said, man, that's awesome. So we kept going and going. We never found the highway. I said, well, let me see the map. And it was a river they were looking at that went up. But I have some of the greatest times when I travel with my in-laws. We have a lot of fun together. And now we have GPS, so that eliminates a lot of that. But notice what, what the Bible says in Isaiah 53. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. And that really is the truth. Sheep without a shepherd just get lost. That's every lost person that doesn't have the shepherd is going to go crazy ways. Just understand, have a little compassion. You know, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees and Sadducees called lost people sinners. And they had a way of looking down their nose and calling them sinners. As far as I know, Jesus never referred to a lost person as a sinner. Now, preachers do. We're good at hollering out, sinners! But you know what Jesus called them? Lost sheep. He understood that without a shepherd, they're going to act like lost sheep. Notice what it says. When Jesus saw the multitude, 
He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus had compassion. And he had compassion because he understood that without a shepherd, they're going to go astray. So not only are sheep dumb and directionless, they're also dirty. How many of you are germaphobics? You would not want to be a shepherd. Israel's pretty dry most of the year. There are places up north where it gets maybe an inch and a half, two inches a year. But most of Israel is very dry and very dusty. Matter of fact, if you go to Israel, you will not be impressed by the landscape most of the time. It's a lot of rocks, a lot of dust. And so sheep, in shepherding sheep, they get dirty. Now it's interesting that most animals that God creates, they have a way of cleaning themselves. But sheep, has anybody here ever seen a sheep licking itself? No. Sheep, they just dirty. They're dirty animals. And so when you decide to be a shepherd, you got to be okay with dirt. Because that's what sheep are. For the most part, they're dirty. Not only are they dirty, they're defenseless. Now someone said, well, sheep have eyes that can look like 180 degrees more than we can. But even though they can look and see what's coming, they still have no defense. Sheep literally have no defense. You know, almost every creature God made, he gave them some kind of defense, but not sheep. Sheep literally have no way to protect themselves. And they're not fighters. They're not fighters. And I love how the Bible describes Jesus. He's not only our shepherd, But I love how the Bible turns it around and says that as a lamb is led to the slaughter, so Jesus went to Calvary as a lamb, and he did not fight and resist. Let me read it in Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. I want to tell you that no one killed Jesus. He willingly laid down his life. The Bible says he could have called 12,000 angels. But he chose as a lamb being led to the slaughter. He chose as a lamb to be led without fighting. Because he loves us. Someone, one of the trips we were in Israel, and I don't remember which one it was. Some of you may have been there. But the guide was telling us, and maybe he's telling me and Brenda, I don't remember. But there was somebody who was sacrificing a lamb. And as he was sacrificing the lamb, he cut the lamb's throat. And so blood went all over his hand. And he said that after he cut the the, the neck of the lamb, the blood was all over his hand. He said the lamb turned and began to lick the blood off of his hand. And the guy said to the guide, I can't ever kill another lamb. There was something about that lamb turning to lick the blood that I had just cut his throat. The gentleness of that lamb and the kindness of that lamb. He said, I I can't ever kill another lamb. I want to tell you, our Savior, as the Lamb of God, chose to go to Calvary and to die on the cross so that you and I could spend an eternity in heaven. That's pretty phenomenal. And so lambs are also, or sheep are also, dependent, as we've talked about. Sheep need a shepherd. You will never see a flock of sheep existing without a shepherd. just can't happen. 
They are very, very dependent. Now, again, you look at this, and this was my image of Psalms 23 for a lot of, lot of years. I just believed God was going to lead us to this luscious field, and I mean, we were just going to be just living in all that green grass. But again, that's not, that's not biblical. It's not reality. Let me again show you some pictures of Israel. This is an actual picture of the Bedouin people that live right outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a beautiful modern city for the most part. And about a mile outside of Jerusalem, up on these hills, is the Bedouin people. They still live like this today. And again, you look at these shepherds and these sheep and goats, and you think, my gosh, they're feeding them rocks. Because it doesn't look like there's any grass there. That's why the shepherd is so valuable. Because these sheep are depending on the shepherd to get them to food and to water. And you'll see this over in Israel. You look on the side of the hill and there's all these lines going horizontal on these hills. And what these are are paths that the shepherd will take the sheep on and they will take them from one side to the other and they tell me that the, the paths are in such a way that they're made where the sheep on this path can reach down and get all the grass here. The sheep on the lower path can reach up and get all the grass. So they make the paths where all the sheep can be eaten on either side of the path. But it takes a shepherd that has knowledge of where the grass is and the skill to get his sheep up there. And so you'll see sheep walking across these hills. But again, from a distance, it looks like there's no grass. It looks like they're eating rocks. Not only do they have that problem, but they have flash flooding in Israel. Again, most of the year, it's extremely dry. But they do get rains up in the mountains, and when they do, there can be severe flash flooding. And when that happens, a shepherd has to know not to have his flock down in the valley when the flood comes. So he has to have that knowledge and skill that they would not get caught in that flash flood. Several years ago, some college kids were in Israel, and there was a flash flood, and many of them died. By the way, the number one cause of death up in the desert is flash floods because people do not have the knowledge to be out of that when the flood hits, but a shepherd has to know that. On the opposite side of that, a shepherd has to know when there's drought. Obviously, you're not going to take sheep to a place that's been in drought because there's no food or water. So the, the job of a shepherd is incredibly difficult. Again, every day, providing for the sheep and leading them to where they can find food and water. Here again is an actual picture in Israel. And you can see a little bit closer up. How many of you can see the green grass? So there is green grass, but again, it's not a lot. That's why the shepherd every day has to work to feed and to water the sheep. Every day, God provides this daily bread. I mean, every day, God gives us enough to get us through the day. That's why it's so important to stay close to the shepherd. By the way, they say that when sheep, because there is not a lot of water in Israel, when they do have a watering hole, there are several herds that come and they gather at the same watering hole. And they don't, they don't divide. They just all mingle together at the watering hole. And when it comes time for the shepherd to leave, how does he get a sheep? He just calls out. And the sheep know his voice. And his sheep will make their way out. And they will follow the shepherd. It reminds me of what Jesus said in John 10, my sheep know my voice and they will follow me. 
Can I just tell you this? The one voice you need to always follow in life is Jesus. If you don't follow my voice, not a big deal. I would encourage you to trust and follow your wife, you husbands, most of the time. But the one voice you really want to know is Jesus. Always listen to the shepherd because he's always leading you to a better place. But he always, every day, we got to be dependent on the shepherd just like these sheep are. Also, there's some deep ravines there in Israel. And obviously, a shepherd has to know where these are because sheep will sometimes fall off and die. I mean, can you see all the stress of being a shepherd? I mean, you got to have a lot of knowledge and a lot of skill to keep your sheep alive. Now, back in David's day, remember he said to Saul as he was getting ready to fight Goliath, he said, when I was a lad and I was shepherding, there'd be a lion come and take one of the sheep away. I went and I killed the lion. A bear came and I went and killed the bear. Now, I'm just, can I just be honest with you? If a lion came and took one sheep away, I would say, hey, 99% of the sheep is pretty good. God bless the one. You know, I got, I got a good funeral for a lost sheep. But David, that one sheep was taken away he went and fought a lion for that one sheep. He went and fought the, uh, the bear for that one sheep. Can I just tell you this? God doesn't leave any sheep behind. That's why I think David was such an incredible leader. That's why I think the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart, because he was a great shepherd. He understood the value of every sheep. Now, nowadays, I'm told there are no bears and no lions in Israel, all right? So you don't have to worry about that. But there are wolves and scorpions. So there are other things that can kill and hurt sheep. So a shepherd has to navigate through all of these things to protect his sheep. Can you see how hard it is to be a shepherd? I mean, it really is an incredibly exhausting job. You got to have a lot of knowledge and a lot of skill to keep all the sheep alive every day. And so when David writes Psalms 23, he realizes the Lord is his shepherd. And he realizes that God provides for him every single day. So in John chapter 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And we often refer to Jesus as our shepherd. But in the book of Hebrews, it calls him the great shepherd. And then the book of 1 Timothy, Timothy says he's the chief shepherd. Can I tell you, when you understand how much God loves you, every last sheep, he doesn't want to lose one sheep. In Luke chapter 19, he said, and this was when they came to Zacchaeus, by the way, and Zacchaeus came out of the tree. He went on to say, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Can I tell you what's different from, from Christianity, from every other religion in the world? Every other religion in the world is man trying to find God and trying to work their way to God. Christianity is God seeking us. I just want to remind you, you remember Moses was on the backside of the desert when God appeared to him. Jonah was in the belly of the fish. The three Hebrew children were in the fiery furnace. Amos was taking care of the flock when God appeared to him. Isn't it amazing that God finds us where we are in life? He seeks us out. 
Jesus, when he walked this earth, he found Matthew while he was working and said, come, follow me, and he left his tax booth. He found the disciples who were fishermen. He found them while they were cleaning their nests and said, come, follow me. I mean, if you think back in your life, how many times you were going through your normal everyday routine when God showed up? I'm telling you, we have a God who's willing to seek and to save that which is lost. If you have a a relative that's running from God and running from God, I just want to give you some good news. They will never outrun the love of God. That God can find them no matter where they are. I'm so glad that our shepherd was willing to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, again, the religious leaders had a hard time understanding that. And I want to close with this passage here in Luke 15. It starts with all the tax collectors and sinners drawing near to him. The Pharisees and scribes complain, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. By the way, the Pharisees said a lot of wrong things about Jesus, but this one they got right. When they said, Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. Now, they couldn't understand that God is a holy God, and if Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, how could a holy God associate with sinners? They didn't understand the love of God the Son, that He was willing to leave His home in glory, come down to this earth to seek and to save a lost sheep. And so He gave them this simple story that any grade school child could understand, He soaked this parable saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? How many of you have ever lost a pet? We probably all have lost a pet. I think I've shared the story when I was young. My first pet I remember losing was Buffy, a little white poodle. And we were hollering throughout the neighborhood. My brother's 20 months older than me. And we were going throughout the neighborhood, Buffy! Buffy! And we finally found Buffy. My first sermon ever was to Buffy. I didn't use any scripture. Buffy, where have you been? No, you know, I was just saying, I'm pregnant. She was just looking up like, what is your problem? She gave me that look like some of you look at me on Sunday. Same look. But little Buffy, and so I, I kind of scolded Buffy. But I picked her up and I carried her home. Now I got to tell you, if a shepherd was out looking for a lost sheep, if I was a shepherd and I had to track down a lost sheep, If I were being honest with you, if I finally found the sheep, I would make it ride me back. (laughs) That's in the flesh, I know. But notice what Jesus does. And when he found it, he laid it on his shoulders, rejoicing. You know, I've been told all my life, growing up in church, Roger, if you were the only one who would have sinned and rebelled against God, he would have died for you. I've been told that all my life. But I never knew where it was in the Bible, but it's right here. Jesus is given this story because he's being criticized for hanging around sinners. And he's saying that even if one sheep were to go astray, isn't it crazy to think if you were the only one who would have sinned, that Jesus would have left his home in glory and came down to this earth and gone to Calvary to die for you? That's crazy. He's trying to say to them, if you could only know the love of God the Son, that as a shepherd, I was willing to leave my home in glory, even if there was just one lost sheep. 
And when he finds it, he rejoices. He puts it on his shoulder, says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. Last slide. For I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. So as we're celebrating with David, and again, David writes from the viewpoint of a sheep, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I again want to remind you that everything you're ever looking for in life, and I know we try to fill the voids in our life with a lot of different things, but if you really discover that he is your shepherd, and when you understand the role of a shepherd is to protect the sheep and care for the sheep, I want to tell you, you are incredibly blessed. Because he will not slumber and he will not sleep. He's not going to give you a week's supply of stuff every day. But every day we got to depend on him to feed us, to water us, and to take care of us. No wonder Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. And yet through him we can do all things. I want you just to look up to heaven and say, Jesus, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus, you are my shepherd. You're all I want. I want you to stand together. I hope before you go to bed tonight, you'll just kind of get along with God and reread Psalms 23. Again, David could have wrote from the viewpoint of a shepherd and he would have known what he's talking about. But for him to humble himself and write from the viewpoint of a sheep, I think we can all identify with that. It's no wonder that when I ask people who aren't connected to church at all, do you have a passage that you'd like for me to read? Without a doubt, the number one most requested passage is Psalms 23. There's something about that that we all identify with. So if you're here today and and you're not 100% sure that when you die that you'll be escorted into heaven because you've accepted Christ as your Savior, to me, having your name on a church roll is not all that important, but having your name on the Lamb's Book of Life is really important. And maybe today, for the first time in your life, You just feel that tug in your heart and you would just acknowledge that Jesus, as the Lamb of God, He went to Calvary and willingly laid down His life so that you could go to heaven. And I believe the Bible teaches that if we confess that, if we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. I hope right where you are, you would just acknowledge that Jesus died for you, ask Him to forgive you and to come into your life, and I believe He will honor that. If you're here this morning as a believer, maybe it's been a while since you've quoted Psalms 23.1. I hope that as you walk out today, you truly walk out knowing that the Lord is your shepherd. Now, he's given pastors a responsibility to be an under-shepherd. But he's the great shepherd. It will change your life when you know that every single day, He cares about every detail of your life. No wonder he said, not a sparrow falls to the ground without my father being aware of it. And he said to his disciples, you're of way more value than a sparrow. 
I just want you to feel God love on you, just to encourage you. And maybe you're going through some difficulty trying to find grass and water. I just want you to know that you can trust your shepherd every single day. So as the music plays, if you need to slip out and come, or maybe you want to come to say, hey, I prayed that prayer today, invited Christ into my life. Or maybe say, I've been visiting. This is where God is officially leading me to plug in. We had a guy come forward in the middle service to join the church. I thought he was a member. He'd been coming for a long time. Or maybe you just want someone to pray with you or pray. We want to do that. Is Todd back there? He had to leave. I want us to remember Todd Davis. I know he's got some nerve things going on with his leg. I know his initial thing was not positive. But I just want us to lift them up. I mean, just has a great heart. I always pray for the miracle. I, I gotta be. I, I always pray positive. I always pray for the miracle. But if God doesn't give the miracle, I always pray for grace. That God would somehow, in the middle of that, provide grace. And maybe you need a miracle today. I believe God is in the miracle business because God can do what only God can do. So I just want you to let God love on you as, you, as your shepherd and tell you of what worth you are to him. It's no wonder when we get to heaven and we see Jesus, it's no wonder that we're going to cast our crowns before the throne. I think we're going to be so blown away when we see the holiness of God to think that he would love us enough to be willing to step down out of that glory, take on an earth suit, and as a lamb led to the slaughter, he would be led to Calvary so that we could spend an eternity with him. I, I think it's going to be a long time before we get up off our face worshiping at the throne. So don't live a day without the shepherd and trusting the shepherd. Just want to remind you guys, uh, in the bulletin, there's an insert there about Operation Christmas Child. We've been doing it for many years, but it reminds you of some things to pack and not pack. And so it's really a good thing you can take home, get your children, grandchildren together, take them to the store and let them help pack some boxes because we really can make the difference in a child's life around the world. So that's that white sheet inside of your bulletin. Also, the deacons have been passing out a sheet if you did not get one coming in. It's just really a reminder to pray for the pastors, which I appreciate. Uh, Chuck asked me to mention that. I always appreciate the prayers of the church. We just need to pray for each other because, again, this journey is not easy. Being a shepherd is not easy. And, again, what a picture of how difficult life can be and how much we need a shepherd. But also a reminder, a week from this Saturday, we're having our Deacon Widow Banquet, which we have for many, many years. If you're a, de a widow or widower or you're an ordained person, we would love for you to come. We just celebrate and try to love on our widows and widowers. And so if that's something that connects to your heart, make sure you call the church office. Let us know you're coming. That'll be a week from this Saturday, okay? I think it's on October 16th, so we'd love to have you be a part of that. Let's pray together. We're going to go out with a song today. Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for loving us so much that you allowed your son, the great shepherd, to come and to seek and to save that which is lost. 
And Lord, I just pray that we would have a heart for lost sheep, realizing that without a shepherd, Lord, they're going to be lost sheep. Use us and allow your love to flow through us to make a difference everywhere we go this week. And I pray that we wouldn't get up one day and try to make it on our own. But every day we would listen to your voice and follow the shepherd as you guide us and navigate us through the craziness of life. Fill us and empower us today. Help us to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Good word.